Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome. Glad to have you with us again this week. You know, many of you know the story of Warren Litzman, but those of you who don't, just a quick recap. He had a major Christian work going all over the world many years ago and even pastored a large church in Dallas. They were on TV. They had the big choir. Everything was huge and going so well. And then he got the revelation of the in Christ message from Paul's epistles. It changed everything for him. He had this burning desire for the whole world to know this message. And while he was on this earth, he certainly did his part to promote the in Christ message. It's been in the Bible all these years right in front of us, but he knew how to teach it. It became such a big revelation to him. So much so that he would go around the world holding conferences about the in Christ message. And we are in the middle of one right now. It's a conference that he had in South Africa years ago, and it is terrific, fascinating, and so encouraging. Please, let's go back now and listen to more of this great conference from Warren Litzman. I'd like for you to leave this conference with some idea of what a Christian is. What a Christian is. All of this exists in a body. The body is a temple. The body is a tabernacle. But the best thing to say about the body is that it's a clay jar, an old clay pot. That best explains how much Jesus loves you in that he has come to live in your old clay pot. Some of you think the design you have on your pot makes him interested in you. The color it is. The shape it is. But he doesn't care. He didn't care at all when he came to live in you because the moment you invited him to come in, you were dirty, filthy, unclean, and should have gone to hell. But he came in anyhow because God the Father so loved you that he had paid the price in the death of Christ to put him in you. You see, it's a God thing. A Christian is a God thing. And to be separated from that is to separate yourself from what it is that is most important. So this is what we'll talk about. We'll talk about your soulish part. That part of you that must emanate love. Well, how are you going to do any of this? I've already painted a picture that we're hopelessly unable to do anything worthwhile. But there's somebody else that's very important. That's the Holy Spirit. You see, the moment you accepted Jesus as your Savior, He came to live in you. He didn't come to give you life. 
He didn't come to make you a powerful Christian. He didn't come to make you a healer or a miracle worker. Jesus said specifically, He came, John 14, 15, and 16, to be a teacher, a guide, a leader. The Holy Spirit occupies the soul. Why? Because it's there. He tells you what to do and how to do it. You see... Your spirit is not being told what to do. It's joined to Christ, and that stands perfect before God. Can you get the difference here? The Christ that comes to live in you stands perfect before God because that's based on a perfect work of God up here, the cross. That's not where our concern is. That's a birthing. You understand that? A seed... A seed put in a person is a birthing seed. You've been birthed to be a Christian. You didn't join a church to be a Christian. A fellow said to me the other day, he said, well, I joined this church over here because I wanted to be a Christian. I said, you got a hopeless future. Why? Churches don't make Christians. Well, I'm going to try to live like one. Living like one doesn't make Christians. You understand that? I was telling somebody today, I know, I know people who are unsaved who live a far better life than a lot of Christians I see. See, I had nothing to do with being a Christian. A Christian is one in whom Christ lives. See the difference there? Christian is not one who lives right. I'd like to see him live right. It'd be nice. I'd like to have a church full of people that lived right. Never had one yet, but some of them did. That isn't the question. The question is, this is fixed. This is eternal. Christ in you is eternal life now. You understand that? It's eternal right now. It's not a going to be. It is. Can you get out of it? Nowhere in the Scripture can you get out of it. been birthed there. God's not an abortionist, so He's going to leave His seed there. So where is the error we need to deal? I spent much of my time talking to you here about being in Christ and Christ being in you. That's important. But now let's talk some about the soul mind. Because the soul mind is what determines who you are to the rest of us and who you are to yourself. What you do never determines who you are to God what you do determines who you are to yourself and others. I live in a world that needs Christians today. To think that 2,000 years ago Jesus died on the cross and our world still doesn't know what a Christian is. We're fast coming to a point of contrast between Islam and Christianity. I want Islamic people to know what Jesus is. That He's more than a prophet. He is my life. My living does not make Him my life. The way I live does not make Him my life. He's my lift as a gift from God. 
I became a Christian not because of what I did, but because of who He is. What about our minds? Paul had to answer the question one day to the folks at Galatians who were using God's grace as a license to sin. What was wrong with these Galatian people? Were they saved? You say, well, if they saved, they wouldn't sin. No, they were saved, but they were using what they knew. Their ignorance was what determined the way they lived. I have a very simple thought that any human being who knows that another person lives in them will be charged by that thought to respect it. You understand that? They'll be charged by that thought to respect it. You're able to do that to other things. Talk about me for a minute. Me for a minute. About 14 years ago, I had an aneurysm, a dissected aneurysm of my main artery. I made it to the hospital because of my wife's unerring and forceful getting me there. I was unconscious. Doctor said if it had been 15 minutes later, I would be dead. I didn't come back to normal life for two days. I was unconscious. But that night they operated on me and put a new aorta in me And that aorta is a tube, man-made tube, that connected to my heart. But at the same time, they had to put a new heart valve in. It's made out of ceramic. I have trouble with that every once in a while, but not any pain or anything. It's just I have to keep my blood at a level to go through a ceramic heart valve. I live in this body because of that heart valve. That's why I'm alive. God made it so. My surgeon was able to take somebody that should have died in 15 minutes and saved their life. That was a God thing. But see, I respect that. When I told my doctor I had to have a blood test every month, and when I had my last blood test, he said, it's not right. I don't want you to go to Africa. I said, well, i got to go. got folks there waiting on me. I can't call that off. Well, if you said, you go, you better get a blood test the minute you get there. I did. I got one this morning, and it's all right. God always fixes it just right. So you think I don't, res <laughs> you think I don't respect that? You think I don't respect that? My body is here because doctors used by God knew what to do to save me. I respect it. I'm a Christian because I respect in my spirit of who I am another person lives. My body's one thing, but I respect this Christ in me. He lives in me. He is my life. Paul said it right. I no longer live, 
Christ liveth in me. I respect that. I'm alive because of it. I told an alcoholic the other day, he said, I just can't seem to stop my drinking. I said, well, you have no respect for your life. He looked at me for a moment. He said, you're right. I don't do it. He was right. He didn't respect his life. He's killing himself. I want to get you to the place that you respect this Christ in you. He's not going to leave you. He's always been there. But I've often typified him as an old man sitting in a rocking chair with all the knowledge of the world and nobody will come and talk to him. That's the way Jesus is in most Christians. He's there. He's got the answer to every need they could possibly have. But they'd rather go out here and reach him out there somewhere. This fellow over here says, I know Jesus, come listen to me. No, he's in you. He's in you. He's been in you ever since you were saved. I want you to come to a consciousness of it. And that consciousness has to do with the way you think. It has to do with your mind. So when Paul made this statement in the 8th verse of Philippians 3, that I suffered the loss of all things for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. That's my theme. I've talked on this subject here in Africa many times before. But I've got to get you to the point that it means something when you leave this meeting. It means something when you get home. It means something when you go to work. Our world needs to know what a Christian is. A Christian is Christ alive in a human being. So we're going to talk about this soulish part here because that's really where the love affair is. That's where the love affair is. Now, we have no information on what I'm talking about but from one man in the Bible, and that's Paul. One day God knocked him down, struck him blind, hollered out of heaven at him, and claimed him for himself. For what reason? He claimed him to bring a message. The message would be the most important word God would ever give humanity. It was in the mind of God before He created this world. Ephesians 1 and 4, chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. So the time had come that God was going to put Christ in human beings. And He chose this one man. He chose Paul to be the one in whom He would place Christ with knowledge. Now, you have to remember something here. On the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And the Holy Spirit is the one who places humans in Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 says it, For by one Spirit are we all placed or baptized into one body. So Christ came in to the human being when the Holy Spirit came. That was His mission. Always remember this. The Holy Spirit has no greater mission than to reveal Christ to a human being. That's His greatest mission. Some people say, well, the Holy Spirit's what gives us power. No, my strength is Christ. He's my life. My strength doesn't come out of a box or something I bought. My strength comes out of my life. Christ in me. 
There's a difference there, you see. And so Paul was the one God chose to reveal this to. First human being that ever knew that God was going to place Christ in believers. Christ in believers. Think of it. How far out that was. Nobody in Israel ever knew about it. The twelve apostles didn't know anything about it. And so God raised up the meanest man on earth, the apostle Paul, and sent him forth with this message. If we listen to him, we'll know what a Christian is because they were first called Christians under his ministry at Antioch. That's when they were first called Christians. So a Christian is one who has the Christ life. Christ lives in them. This man is very important to our cause because there are several things about him that are important. We're going to talk about these things important about him because they're important to a lot of us likewise because we're in the same state he was in many different times in our life. But the thing I want most to talk about and to discuss with Paul is when he received this revelation. He was sent by the Lord to the Arabian desert. He stayed there, he said, for three years. I don't know what happened in those three years except one event. The one event that happened was that one day while he was, I suppose, waiting before Christ, Christ gave him the message that, Paul, when you got saved on the road to Damascus, my spirit, me in spirit, me in spirit, came to live in you. Now remember, spirit is the object. The spirit of Christ is Christ in us. The spirit of man is what receives the nature of God, receives the spirit of Christ. Well, his words were in Galatians 1, when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb, he called me by his grace to reveal his son in me. Reveal his son in me. Well now, that was an odd moment. In fact, I'd have to say that's the oddest moment in history. Because here Paul was talking to Jesus, and Jesus said, Paul, I live in you. See, did you ever consider that? Did you ever read Galatians 1 and consider that? Did you ever consider when you were saved that that thought should have come to you? Here Jesus is saving me and yet Christ is in me. Did you ever have a thought about that? I'm affected by that. I've been affected by it for over 40 years preaching this message. I preached 13 years before then didn't know this message so I got a lot of experience. But I've been preaching years. And it dawns on Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I say, My God, Christ is in me. i got no room for sad thoughts, for bad things. i got no room for what happened yesterday or what's going to happen tomorrow. Christ lives in me. And then it is that my mind begins to expand because my mind could say, Oh, that's, that's a bunch of hooey. That's baloney. No. He's my life. To God, He's my life. I want God to take care of me and I've got God's life living in me. 
So I have that odd moment often. That's why nowhere in the Bible do we pray to Jesus. We pray to our Father. We love Jesus. He's our life. I think of all the things I studied in psychology. Uh, I'm okay, you're okay, love yourself. I went through all that stuff. Now, I can see my real self needs to be loved. I'm okay. Why? That isn't me, that's Him. Him and me are one. We're one person. We're not two. He's been joined to me. Paul said, I no longer live. Christ liveth in me. You understand it? It's a confusing thought. That's why religion hadn't accepted it. They can't figure it out. What's missing in religion is the birthing. They're getting people saved by joining the church and by the doctrine, but they're not getting saved because God rebirthed in them another person. The birthing. You must be born again. Or you can't see or hear the things of God. He said that to the highest person in Judaism, Nicodemus. You must be born again. So now we have this person, Paul, that's been told this by God. Think of all the times God spoke to people in the Bible. He talked to Abraham. He talked to Adam. And I guess Eve was there. Maybe she wasn't. That's where the trouble started. <laughs> Anyhow, God came down and talked to him. He talked to Noah. Told Noah to go build an ark. There's going to be rain. Noah... Noah didn't have a mind for that, so he said, what's rain? And there had been a rain. He talked to David. That's why David wrote such beautiful psalms. He'd have a talk with God and write a beautiful psalm. Look at all the people he talked to, and he never told them what we call the liberating secret. Paul calls it the liberating secret. Never! Never said a word to any of them about that. Well, who knew all about that? Why, well, his son Jesus must have known. I feel like there was a day that God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Father were sitting in a conference meeting, and they decided this thing. They decided that human beings are not worth saving, so we're going to take you, Christ, and put you in them. And Holy Spirit, they're going to be so dumb and ignorant they won't know anything about that. So I'm going to send you down there to tell them all about what happened to them when they got saved. See? That's simple. So here Paul was. It had been revealed to him that Christ lived in it. How long had he been saved by that time? Well... Nobody knows for sure. I calculate uh, if he's three years there in the desert, maybe that was the third year. So that's three years of his salvation. And we know before he went there to the and, and, and learned that Christ lived in him, that about three years he spent in Pentecostalism over at Ananias' house. So it was six years maybe. He had Christ in him for at least three years. And think of all the people on the day of Pentecost, 120 in the upper room, 
3,000 saved on the day of Pentecost. A few days later, 5,000 more and the early church grew by leaps and bounds and none of them knew Christ was in them. They didn't have the message. Not one of them knew that. And don't let that bother you. The Pentecostals are still the same today. They talk about the Holy Spirit, but Christ is in them. They're just like they were on the day of Pentecost. Got the blessing. But they don't know Jesus is their life. I was one for many years, so I can talk like that. You see, dear friends, when Paul received this revelation that Christ was in him, it was earth-shaking. God had placed his entire plan, his entire scheme, his entire hope for ever having a family in his house in one man. Just one man. He could have called on Peter, but God knew Peter. He couldn't handle that. John. John handled it, but it was over 30 years later before John even wrote about it. it took him a time to handle it, scripturally speaking. So I'm talking to you about the most important word God ever gave a human being. The issue of what is life. This was a conference that Warren did in South Africa years ago, and it was terrific, as you can hear. What an experience to be there in person and hear this wonderful in Christ message, the in Christ teachings from somebody that knew it better than anyone, Warren Litzman. Now, you can read all about Warren. You can read all about us at the Christ Life Fellowship by going to our website, christ-life.org. You will definitely want to click on the bookstore. A lot of his writings are there, his videos, his audios. You want to get into some of these things and dig deeper and deeper into this in Christ message. Our thanks to Robbie Litzman. She allows us to go into the archives each week to pull these wonderful, wonderful messages out. Tammy Laycock does our weekly podcast notes. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account, and Teresa Ferraro is our wonderful producer from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ Life.